I'm Bob Sullivan, the new host of AARP's The Perfect Scam Podcast. And with Frank Abagnale and other top fraud experts, we're bringing you brand new episodes of America's most shocking scam stories. I got an email alerting me to 22 accounts that had been opened up in my name. Scam was masterfully designed. New episodes available now. Subscribe to The Perfect Scam Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Welcome, everybody, to Juice Pro Wrestling, episode 72. With me in the studio tonight, as always, is Threaten the Savage. What's up, Threaten? What's going on, man? Oh, hey, how you doing? And our very special guest tonight is, well, I guess I can say you're not really wrestling anymore, are you? Not wrestling, still managing. Still, still managing. alive and kicking. Yeah, still alive and well. Yeah, to quote some Johnny Winter for you, uh, Nikita Bresnikov. I'm here in prison, and believe it or not, 72 is my lucky number. <laughs> nice. So, Nikita, man, you, you got a book out. Um, tell us the name of your book. When It Was Real. When It Was Real, because... And the it, reason, yeah, well, I'll tell you a quick synopsis of it. Mm-hmm. It's not so much about me and what I did with Nikolai. It was about me as a kid in the 70s, growing up as a teenager, Watching it, it covers 1970 to 1979 in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Right, that's Vince Senior. Everybody knows. Yes, Vince Senior. Junior was there to me, all-time great announcer, because it was presented with common sense, dignity. I mean, there was times when he got excited, too, but it was like a Howard Cosell. You know, he'd give you a nice breakdown of what you were watching, and... Why I say it was real is because we, yeah, we knew from the beginning what was going on. We had people telling us, and it was like, but it was believable. You could actually, and of course, the infancy, there was no internet or anything like that. You had no information. The only way you could get any idea what the hell was going on in another town is if you corresponded with people. So right. God forbid you made a long distance call, your parents would kill you because mm-hmm. that stuff was expensive. <laughs> yeah. So you bring a letter, you know, hey, I was there, this happened. By the time they catch up with you, the show's already passed. So it was able to be presented that way. Now, today, shit, before they come out of locker room, you know what sometimes was going to happen. And right. you know, I, I sympathize. It's a tough situation to be in, but you know, we loved it. And it changed lives. And whatever, for me specifically, because I got the shit beat out of me as a kid. Uh, my <laughs> father was an alcoholic. He was just, his names were terrible. And 
to me, this saved me. It was your going escape. Down a bad route. It was my escape, catharsis, everything. Yeah. It, and I was able to become a detective sergeant for Baltimore police. Nice. In, in the middle of all of that, I got into wrestling with Nikolai, but it meant a lot to people because everything I get involved in, whether it's the acting and uh, go to the doctor, lawyers, whatever, pro wrestling touches everybody's life, all, no matter where yeah. you're from. Like you guys in Indiana, yeah. you know, if you're out in the Midwest, I see like, I settled in near Seattle these days. The wife is from out there. So there's a couple of uh, different promotions or uh, actually sites that cover what went on in Idaho and out here in Washington, Spokane, things like that. And I find it interesting. I wasn't following any of it at the time, but it's like, wow, you know, it was the same to these fans and to these people as it was to us on the East Coast, which, of course, you know, like Sinatra said, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And New York's always the hub, yeah. no matter what it is. Yeah. And that's why, even uh, with the Hollywood scene, everything is geared towards the East Coast time. Because that's just it. That's the big show, man. So that's where we're all centered at. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, so you, you were an actual police officer for Baltimore, correct? 27 years, yes. I wow. retired detective sergeant. Nice, nice, very nice. Let me ask you this. Being from Baltimore, there's another huge uh, musical artist that's from Baltimore that I, you know, I worship the ground he walked on. Uh, let me know this, Nikita. Are you a Frank Zappa fan? No, but the wife is. Really? <laughs> I've heard his music, but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I was more of a top 40 kind of guy. Jim Croce was my all-time favorite. and. Okay. Like that, but I like everything. I, I do, you know. I'm not somebody that would say I'm closed-minded, or you know, I don't like this. No, no. I I find there's something to enjoy. But when Nikolai and I were on the road, he loved opera, and he would bring opera cassettes. Believe it or not, to, I could believe it. CDs came out. I remember before him uh, doing the national anthem. You know. <laughs> What was our the Russian? Was it the Russian national anthem? Soviet. Soviet. Yes, the yeah, Soviet yeah. one. Yeah. Not the uh, cartoon Russia today. Right. And that was another thing. When we would go to uh, do a show, and people with the promoters would say, "Oh, we have a flag for you." I said, "Okay, good." And they bring out that cartoon thing. It's like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, nah. you need the Soviet flag, Nick. With this thing isn't going to draw. Couldn't even draw flies. Forget about it. So, <laughs> I love that. Bring out the red hammer and sickle, and they're ready yes. to. It, I tell you what, before 9 11, we did more for patriotism in 15 minutes than any politician could do. And I call them bullshit politicians because that's what they all are. And it's then it would rally people to patriotism and, you know, around the American flag. You could be wrestling anybody, and they would just be against what we were doing. But then, over the years, Nikolai decided, uh, you know, we sell more pictures and faces. So then he would come out with USA flag, and I'd be carrying Russia flag. And he would say, I'm going to sing God bless America. And they'd be like, no, we want to hear Soviet national anthem. And Nikolai would say, what the hell is wrong with them? Said, Nikolai. <laughs> they're, they're accustomed they to it. You, you goof. That's what you're known for. They don't yeah. care. They want to hear that. 
Let that, me that's a good thing, them, though, you know? because, I mean, that character, and much like it did with me and Threaten too, it, it was burned into our brains, you know? Like, obviously, we know, you know, that's I didn't know Nikolai personally like you did, but uh, we, we knew that that was the character and what it was, but it was so good and so strong and just timing was so perfect on it that he was one of those guys in what we call the golden age of uh, wrestling, at least for guys in our age group. Uh, that that character, man, it was so strong. It just it's burned into your memory, man. Like you cannot sit there and like think about Hulk Hogan era wrestling without like Nikolai Volkov and you know the Iron Sheik, and it's just it, it's yes. it a test of time, man. In fact, that picture that you posted mm-hmm. on the the computer today that was taken in the hotel room right after he had received his Hall of Fame plaque. Awesome. And it was funny because, you know, they were not funny, but a coincidence. But Hogan, when they were putting him in the same night, they brought in all the heels that made him famous. Yeah. And Paul Orndorff actually went on a little bit of a rant backstage. He said, you know, Hogan wouldn't have been anything without the heels. And it's like, yes, yeah, absolutely correct. You know, they and you take a look at it. Everybody else that night, it was heels. You know, there was nobody else but Hogan as the face. Yeah. And. You know, he was a good guy. I met him a couple of times, you know, nice guy. And, you know, you can call it cartoons if you want, but Nikolai in the 70s always wore black because he started out as being one of the Mongols in 1970. Right. Mongol, and then uh, they left undefeated as tag team champions. But I'll tell you, they, they turned wrestling around. And I was a young kid at the time. Or like twelve years old, mm. and we've never seen anything like that. And so now, was that not to cut you off, Nikita? But uh, you're saying you were twelve okay. years old around then. Uh, was that when you were you already in the professional wrestling, or was that kind of when you started to really get heavy into it? No, I hadn't watched it yet, but a lot of kids at school were talking about it, mm. so I had to tune in to see what the, all this all the balloon they were talking. It's like, wow, this is unbelievable. Yeah. I saw Professor Tanaka just destroying some jobber on the television. So it was yeah. like, wow. And then Chief comes out, I'm sold. But Chief when J. The, Strongbow, the Mongols, right? Chief, Chief J. Strongbow, the one and only, who became a dear, close, personal friend the last 10 years of his life and a mentor to me. And the guy that I followed, I always wanted to imitate him. Hmm. But when the Mongols first hit, you know, wrestling was good. It was only drawing about half the house, though. Bruno and Koloff, even, before oh, Koloff yeah. had beat him now. This is 1970. and But when those Mongols came out, Nikolai was only 19 years old. Not a lot of people know that. Wow. And it's like, but he was such a, a giant. And this was before yeah. Andre. The Russian so bear, man. Nikolai, well, uh, the Russian bear Koloff. But when Nikolai came in, six four and a half, three hundred and forty five 345 pounds, <laughs> That's it's a like, big boy. What the hell? How, how the hell's Chief and Bruno going to beat this guy? Right. And, you know, they, they just tore. When they hit the garden, it was instant sellout. Oh, yeah. And they came in the legitimate furs that Nikolai had, animal furs. So here they come. You know, they're doing their thing. And it, it never stopped at that point. The Worldwide Wrestling Federation just was on a, a roll. And it just took off. Yeah. So, okay, then Koloff beats Bruno January 18th of 71. Next month, February 8th, Pedro beats Koloff. Ivan Koloff, right? And 
Ivan Koloff, yep. one and only Uncle Ivan, who was a wonderful, just, you hear all the stories about him. Another guy, complete opposite of what he portrayed. Now, he actually called me. I, I had managed him over the years, too. He called me after 9-11. He knew I was policeman just to see how I was. And he said, you know, I, I just want to make sure you're okay, brother. And I don't know how close you are to the activity that's going on. It's like, I can't believe this. I said to my wife, I don't call off. Call him just to check on me. It's like, I, I, I got to be, even though I had a horrible childhood, it's all been reversed now. I got to be one of the luckiest bastards to walk the earth. It's just unbelievable, man. Yeah. So he was great. And then uh, him and Bruno picked up the base. Then the Mongols left not long after that. And that's all in the book when it was real because I, Scott Keel, who was the publisher, mm -hmm. Scott is just one of the greatest. Uh, he's got over 200 books and still going strong. In fact, he just released the Rock's Father book. Rocky Johnson. Rocky Johnson. Rocky Soul Man Johnson, yeah. Yeah, he's a legend in his own right, man. Yeah, that he guy, is. he did great in WWF. Mm -hmm. He didn't hit there until 1982, but With Tony Atlas, he was right? spectacular. Right, with Tony Atlas. But Rocky Johnson, uh, he wrestled with Pedro, Tony Gurria, so many, uh, Pat Patterson on the West Coast. Nice. And he feuded with so many great people, too. And then Portland, uh, on and on and on. And that guy, he's a story within himself. And then, of course, hey, you know, boom, he's got the son. I think I probably saw The Rock one night at the Baltimore Civic Center. Uh, this had to be around 1982, 83, when uh, Rocky, because the way you got into the building, and I, I was so crazy that I loved it that much, we would get there as early as possible to watch the guys coming in. So they uh, they get into the building, it was a, like a, a door on rollers, and you would ring the bell, and then Usher would open the door from the inside of the building. Mm. So Rocky pulls in, and he's got a kid with him, so probably one of the Rock, yeah, you know, yeah. for all I know. And uh, who else is he going to take with him? Yeah, so it's right. like, wow, that, that's uh, pretty pretty neat kind of story. Now, I'll tell you what, with the book, I met his mom, Atta. Yep. She was at the, this was re released at the Cauliflower Alley Club. So, uh, I'm, I seen her the day before she was at the, uh, you know, playing a couple of machines. So I don't want to bother anybody because people get funny about the, their luck streak. So don't interfere with anybody. So yeah. I just say nothing. Then I see her later near the elevator. So we get to talking about her dad, High Chief Peter Maivia, mm -hmm. and the interactions I had with him as a, a fan outside of the buildings and things like that. He was just a wonderful guy. And I'm telling her the stories and the tears are almost rolling. So she's like, oh, that's really great. You know, so the next day, I see her coming to the, the, the room where we're selling all the gimmicks and things like that, the merchandise room. So she's talking with Scott Teal. So I walk over and I see they got my book. So I'm like, yeah, Atta. and I'm, now I got my whole German or Russian gimmick on. I'm doing the, you know, the <laughs> Scott said, bring everything. Yeah. She's like, oh, this was your book. I said, yes. She said, but the title, what it was real. That's what they be looking. And I stopped and I was like, that's what my dad made it. He wanted to make it real. I said, well, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that story is told in here because that's what they all did. You know, traveling at, Yep. You wouldn't be caught together. He no, there's separatism. Or you'd you know? be fired. Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. You know, and here's the thing. 
I think uh, even nowadays with the the landscape of professional wrestling, even if they were to do something like that nowadays, because there are still a few people who kind of blur the lines. Yeah, everybody knows what wrestling is, but a guy like Chris Jericho, who is still like when he's heel, the motherfucker's heel. You know, like you can go ask mm-hmm. for an autograph or whatever, and he'll he'll be a dick to you. You know, but he's yeah, and I've go. I've had friends that were like, oh, well, I met Jericho. He was an asshole. It's like, well. Was he playing heel? Well, yeah. It's like, okay, shut up. You know, like that's, he's great. That's great. And I think in this, today's landscape, there still is room for that. And I think it could still work because everybody knows what wrestling is, but at the same time, wrestling's on this boom again. And I think like if people were to involve much like AEW is doing, uh, some of the old school mentality, people will just eat that shit up and just love it and they will allow themselves to to suspend disbelief and that's what pro wrestling is i, I think you're going to see that because jim ross was mm-hmm. doing the inductions at cauliflower alley nice and of course you know there's time in between so he had a lot to say about the product right in general and it's kind of like you know guys it's not called spotting it's called wrestling Right. With a spot here and there. So I, I think you're going to probably see the roots come back to what wrestling was. Oh, yeah. So And I'm like, we're big fans of AEW. And Nikita, have you kept up with uh, any of the progress and traction of that promotion? Not yet. Not yet. Because I'm telling you, I, I'm not done. And I'm and Bill Brown, who was a big-time promoter, and he actually sold what he had to WCW. Mm-hmm. And uh, he grabbed me at Cauliflower Alley. And it was like, cause I was managing Jesse Bell, who, uh, Women of Wrestling. She's uh, yeah, wow, super one of their top heroes. Yeah, she's yeah. also so the she's daughter of uh, Tracy Smothers, right? Yes, Tracy yeah. Smothers' daughter. She's holding four belts right now, man. Nice. She can do it. She can turn it on. So I'm out there with her, and it was kind of wild, her southern gimmick with me, yeah. but it clicked, because she's a big heel, you know? Mm-hmm. So Bill Brown grabs me, and he's like, Nikita, why the hell hasn't somebody done something with you with this all this shit with Russia and Trump? I said, Bill, I have no friggin' idea, man, right. because it's like I can still turn it on. You ain't got some uh, goofy guy, you know, like a hillbilly that comes in and tries to pretend to be Russian. I can pull the, I can do it. And still, it's believable. I can sing the whole bullshit song and all this stuff. I can do it, you know? And it's like, yeah. I don't know. Because they still got this bug about managing. Some, and a lot WWE, of these, especially. It, it's That's a big thing. Yeah. You don't see them. The only manager you're going to see is Paul Heyman, which, in my opinion, at least nowadays now, I mean, Paulie, dangerously, if you want to go back, he's one of the best to ever do it. And he's he's really good on the mic, you know I mean? We all know the story with yeah. ECW and all that. But uh, it, they tried with Rusev. I don't know if you're familiar with him um, and his wife, Lana. Yes. You know? They tried yeah, to do that. They brought in for a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was a little weird. You know, I, it was good at first because it had that old school vibe. It was like, wow, this is, you know, we're in the heat with this whole Russian scenario and all that. And it had the old school, like, 80s like USA against the world you know and it was it was so cool man and then it just it fizzled into nothing you know you had Lana who's obviously not Russian you know his mouthpiece but I believe she lived on Russia for a long time so uh, mm-hmm. 
there's some authenticity to it, which adds to the character development, which is awesome. But it had, like I said, it had this great feel of old school heel, even to his intro music. It had, it was just, it reminded me of something like he could have been huge, massive, like Hogan heel in the 80s, you know? And then it just, it. Well, turned it, well there you go. You got to have the follow through with it. It's just, it's not going to roll its own legs. You got to give it that push and keep pushing it. Well, and that's yeah, hard. They brought Nikolai in. Yeah. You know, they tried to get, you know, give it an injection with the bringing him in. Mm. But uh, it wasn't the same as what it could have been. Now, with President Trump and all the bullshit that goes back and forth, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the he, WWE I mean, Hall of Famer, President Trump, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. And there you go. It's, it's easy to deliver. It's on. It's on the tray. It's sitting at the hot plate, waiting to go to the table. Right. Just somebody needs to pick it up and get it to the friggin' table. You know. Yeah, need to make some money, man. It's so, easy. if any of you geniuses are out there listening, <laughs> get off your ass, make it happen, pick up the phone, call me, and we'll make some money together, you nitwits. Stop yeah. these stupid USA. <laughs> Yeah, that's fucking right. Am I promoting myself? Hell yeah. If you don't, who the hell else will, man? It's cutthroat right. business. That's right. That's right. I totally agree 100%. I get yeah, I get people. What was, I was on Twitter, and somebody posted something about some show or whatever they're doing. I dropped one of our episodes, and it's like, are you promoting yourself on my thing? I'm like, yeah, you're sure as hell. Bet your ass I am. <laughs> I don't care. You know? That's it. Shameless self-promotion. Send me the bill. I'll send it to President Trump. He's a, uh, a, uh, not soul brother, but a uh, alumni and uh, a fraternity brother. That's it. Because he's WWE Hall of Fame. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So how how did you get, Nikita, how did you get hooked up with uh, Nikolai? Well, he's a Baltimore cat. Mm. And uh, he was living there when he met his wife. Oh, he's been living in Baltimore since about 73, I believe. And I didn't know anything about him at that time, but I was a big collector, still in, of the matches of that era, up to 1983. Even though my book only goes to 1980, I say that it didn't change until 83, the day the music died when Hogan beat the Sheik. Then it had to change. And I'm not arguing with Uncle Vince. He's got more billions than me. He knows what the hell he's doing. He eats, sleeps, and shits wrestling. So, boom, this man's got it. Right. So, anyway, I'm a big collector. So, I see in the 7-Eleven store, they got the program on the, the card promoting show coming to this boys club on a Sunday afternoon. Now, at the time, I'm still working in patrol division for police department. So, I'm thinking, well, gee, Nikolai's going to be there. I'm working. Maybe I can get in there and talk to him. Maybe he can give me a line on some matches that I don't have. So I go in there that day. I'm in uniform. I never forget. He walks in the building. He don't know me from Adam. And he's like, hey, it's Sergeant. He sees the uniform. So he goes. He changes into his gimmick. So he goes to sit to sell his pictures before the show. So I go over and start talking. I say, Nicola, you know, I'm a big collector. Do you have any matches? No, I don't have one. But oh, I would love it. I pay you. I said you would pay me shit. I owe you, man. All the years <laughs> yeah. watching you, I'll make you. And anybody listening in, I didn't sell them. So don't yeah. be sending no lawyer letters to me. I didn't sell her anything. So 
I make him the tapes, and then we become friends. So, of course, what I do next, I'm pestering him. You know, I want to get into the game. He's like, no, 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 everybody gets hurt in the wrestling. You have a good job. So I wouldn't let up. So then finally, we were working a Slovak, Czech Slovak festival. We were doing the security because everybody there, old timers, you know, the youngest people there were probably in their 60s. So at the time, Nikolai and I were doing a favor for a friend of mine to cover the insurance. So we're doing security. So we're walking around that day. So he says, all right, you bugged me enough. You're going to be my manager. I said, ah, Nikolai wouldn't be bullshit. Manager, I want to get in there. He said, you'll be in there. Just listen to me. I said, all right, all right, we'll do that. So then we come up with the name. We come up with the whole gimmick. Because I said, Nikolai, I want to be like Chief. He said, you idiot. How do you, a goof, asshole, how you could be Indian or not Russian? I said, oh, you're right. Okay, so <laughs> we'll do that. So that's interesting. We come up with Nikita Brezhnikov. You know, one time he wrestled under the name Nikita Brezhnikov. Now, long ago in a faraway land, but he did. So we we pulled that one off. First person I ever worked for was the great Dennis Carluza, and there was a guy. If people had listened to him instead of cut his throat and stabbed him in the back, they wouldn't have put Vince out of business. But they would have had a real good show, a real good goal at the Indies. But Dennis knew what he was doing. In fact, he was good friends with Jim Cornette. He had a standing invitation to Monday Night Raw. He could go on any time. And he was a training ground for a while for a lot of WWE talent. Mm. And uh, WWF talent also at that point. So, you know, we, we just hit it and boom. In fact, when I came out, Dennis came to me later because he was, you know, he when he found out about my police connection right away, his antennas are going up and he, you know, wants to do police shows, which we did, things like that. And he's like, you just had a presence. You know, you, you had something about you. And it's like, oh, you know, I carried it from the police bullshit, Dennis. That's all, you know. And, and then through the years, we refined the character. And then... After a while, we get at these shows month after month, time after time. I said, Nikolai, I'm like 30 pounds, because at the time I was 230. I'm like 20, 30 pounds heavier than a lot of these kids. He's like, yeah, what the hell, we become tag team. I said, good, good, that was great. <laughs> yeah. So then, boom. Hey, hey, listen, I'll tell you, Justin, I'd rather end threatened. I'd rather be lucky than good any day of the week. But I was both. But if I didn't get in there through the luck, and if I wasn't good enough, Nikolai would have been first one to say, you have to go sit down because you're the shits. <laughs> but I was, and that was it. Off we go to the races, you know, and it just time after time, we keep doing it, we keep doing it. And now I look back and I'm looking at pictures, I'm looking at things that it's like, that was 25 years ago. Get the hell out of here. I don't believe it. It was this. It was that. I'm like, wow. And the people that I worked with, guys, like Bruno San Martino. Yeah. As Living. referee. Yeah. That I got punched by Bruno San Martino. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's it was big. Like, I mean, Bruno was a uh, god to a lot of Italians oh. and a lot of people, especially on that New York area, and just wrestling in general at the time. I mean, Bruno was champ for what? Like at, 11 and a half years. Yeah. That they'll come, never be topped. By. They'll ne he he will no. have that forever. Not in that matter because uh, again, going back to the book, I cover this. But, you know, Bruno had had his fill. He needed a break. Okay, yeah. the first time, so he drops the belt to Pedro, and that's why you know there was no return match with Koloff. It was like 
they said that George Steele had injured Bruno the uh, weekend before in Pittsburgh. He hit him with a chair, so that separated the shoulder. Pull-up thing and clean. We're off the top rope with a knee drop, boom. No return match. And it's like, what the hell? How can there not be a return match? Instead, Pedro, who was United States champion, wrestles Koloff. So here comes Bruno in the ring when Street Clothes puts the belt on Pedro, and it's like, okay, he gives him the rub. Follow Pedro now, everybody. Okay, so Bruno takes some time off. But, you know, Pedro was big in New York with the Puerto Rican crowds. Right. But when you hit Boston, Baltimore, places like that, not so much. Because Bobo carried, Bobo Brazil yep. carried Baltimore for the summer of 73. And, it, you know, you look back and it's like, how's Pedro? It just wasn't happening. Bobo's wrestling Blassie and people like oh, that. Oh, yeah, Glassy Freddie Blassie. Hell yeah, Pat's yes. on that geek. <laughs> Another mentor of mine. I, I, I was fortunate enough to get to meet and become friends with. And Lou Albano, we can't forget oh, Lou. Oh, Captain Lou Albano. I love Captain Lou, man. Super Mario Brothers, dude. <laughs> Come on. He, hey, you know what, Justin? You hit the nail on the head because Lou would be the first one to say, look, I love wrestling. But I made more money at Super Mario Brothers than I ever yeah. did in wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Because Lou was just an entertainer, yeah. man. Yeah, and it was easy. That was all ad libbed. And, you know, yeah. he knew to clean his act up for the kids for that. Right. And it was like, boom, he was perfect. From he's, side to he's side. He's Italian. He's got the look. And they just let him run with it. And he did. Yeah. And he had lost some weight around that time. So it was a good fit. He looked like the, the life version of the cartoon character. Right. He, well, he did that. He didn't win all across the board. Yeah, he had that. He had, uh, you know, when once WWF was really going strong with the Hogan thing, and that was going off. They had the Rock and Wrestling. You know, he was a character in that cartoon show. Uh, I think I don't know if people yeah. know this or not, but uh, he also did. I want to say at least three Cindy Lauper music videos that he was in. Yes, the time after time, girls want to have. Oh, the girls want to have fun with the best. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. That was the stick starter. And mm-hmm. he's looking in the keyhole and the door falls on. I mean, yeah, yeah. Just, and they, they were good friends. Yeah. And so he was just a natural for that. Of course, you listen to Lou when they were doing the gimmick with Piper Spit. He wrote the words oh. and all. It's like, it's perfect. I tell you, what. I mean, you, you can't write shit this good. This man just, I, he, he wake up out of a dead sleep and just entertain you for four hours and you're in stitches. He was just yeah. that kind of guy. I, I fucking Nikita, I fucking love Captain Lou Albano, man. And he he was yeah, a big, me too. He was a big part of my childhood too. And he's we did an episode uh for anybody out there listening, you can go back in the in the archives in the JP dub vault and uh check out our episode we did on our favorite managers, but he's definitely up there for me. I remember having the L J N figure of Captain Lou when I was a kid, man, like that big rubber action figure. And it's like it how many managers really back then were over like that, you know? Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the secret with Lou, because he couldn't take a bump. Yeah. Now, Wizard was, Grand Wizard was great. Grand Wizard, you know, he yep. was a good talker. Freddie was great when he became a manager, but he'd rather be known more for wrestling. But with Lou, anything, you would have Bruno, Chief, Pedro, who, Monsoon, whoever, feed Albano to the Lions, and you've got to sell out. The rest of the boys can take the night off. And he would bleed. <laughs> Yeah. He loved the bleed, and yeah. it was like he would do it. I mean, and it's like 
Getting we, that juice. We sound perverted, crazy, nuts, whatever, but we would be almost orgasmic watching it. You know, it's like, this is better than sex. We're watching Lou Albano get just friggin' murdered in the ring, you know? <laughs> and it's like, there it is, you know? Yeah. Boom! And then you, the blood is from the, the ring all the way to the dressing room, and it's nice. like... Hey, you can't ask for somebody to give more of themselves to a profession than what he did. And in fact, uh, somebody was telling the story the night he wrestled Jimmy Snook in the garden. Mm. The first, uh, with the Snooker's first appearance as a face, November 22nd, 82, and he's going to wrestle Albano. And it's like, okay, Lou drops the blade. He goes into his, he was wearing like a a sleeveless uh, shirt. He goes in and pulls out a straight razor, and it's like, Monsoon's like, he's going into his trunks, you know, and what's he pulling out? Yeah. And then they were like, oh, shit. You know, then they tried to change the uh, the topic a little bit. So here's <laughs> you Lula fucked up. Straight you fucked he's up. He's <laughs> yeah. just doing a number with it, you know? And it's like, oh, boy. He's going to murder this guy, but last boy, like, boy Scout style. <laughs> yeah. And it was great, though. I mean, the Kevin, look, back in those days, you didn't need to do a lot Strongbow was the best at saying, because I, I was good friends with Johnny Valiant as well. Yeah. God rest his soul. Yeah. And Johnny used to say, I'd be in there with Chief, and Chief would say, he called him Dinky. You think they can see it, but they can't feel it. Right now. And he's like, okay, Chief, okay, you know, no problem. And it was like, it was easy. You took care of each other. Yeah. Today, I'm watching people do, do shit in the ring, and it's like, you know what? You must not work every night because you wouldn't be calling these spots if you worked every night because there's no way you could take that kind of abuse and come back like that. Right. If you just don't need it, take it slow, take it easy. It will sell itself. This yeah, is yeah. just a, a perfect setup. All you got to do is just like walk in, you know, it's like like a prostitute. She's going to do you no matter what. You don't have to love her. All you got to do is show up and, <laughs> and have to, yeah, That is correct. <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> that's fucking. That's a great analogy. And um, I, yeah, hey, you know what? It's all the same world. You can get the screw job one way or the other. So you might yeah, make it. It easier. doesn't have to be in Montreal, you know. <laughs> it's like, hey, dummy, I'm here. I'm gonna. You pay the money. I'm gonna let you have what you want. So just relax. You yeah. Know? But, relax. You know, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Relax I, and enjoy. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up too. Uh, is you're talking about selling? Um, I mean, even with the talent nowadays, the talent pool in wrestling in general is just like the most athletic it's ever been. But there's okay. a, yep. a lot of these guys that don't need to take these spots, and I get when they do them, they are super cool. You know, I mean, there's always that mm-hmm. uh, worry though of like, man, this, you know. How many fucking punches did he just take on his bump card? You know, like that that yes, one spot was like yes, fifteen or yes. twenty. You know, yeah. And I get you're it not because Superman, it, right? So you, you disrespect the guy you're working with or the girl you're working with. You don't sell. I mean, right? And in the old days, they'd make sure you freaking sold the whatever's going on. And it's that's all it. about selling. I mean, you look at a guy like Hogan. Hogan got over because he fucking sold everything you know i mean just a look on his face you know like before he make that huge comeback you could just tell it was like you you got wrapped up in it you know and there's a lot of guys now um that were high flyers like uh the perfect example for me is aj styles uh who is really focused this year has us all wanting to be healthier 
and that includes our eye health. But how do you get vision coverage if you're retiring? It's actually pretty easy. VSP, the vision coverage many people get through work, offers individual vision plans. Enroll anytime, on any device, and start using your benefits the same day. You don't need to be an employee to get employee-level vision coverage. Visit VSPDirect.com today. That's VSPDirect.com. Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. And he's such a good seller, but he used to be one of those cats that was like just high spot, you know, crazy fucking move set, like all this shit. But now, I mean, he can still do a lot of that stuff. And he's like, I think he's like 40, anywhere between 40, 42 now. Um, so he's up there for a guy that with his move set, but he, he just, he knows how to work and make anybody look good. For one, he's got like that Ric Flair ability where anybody's in the ring with, he's going to make them look good, and he sells his ass off. Like, it's that selling, It's uh, people don't get it, you know? Like, that's what you got to do. That's like, to me, in professional wrestling, and I'm not even in the biz, you know, I'm just the media kid, you know, doing this shit, but you have to sell because that's the way to sell. To sell the story, that's yeah, right. And that's tell part the of the story. story. And, you know what? It doesn't make you look... The egos sometimes just get too damn inflated, you know? And yeah. It's like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Take it down a couple of notches. And you know what? You'll get your time to shine. And then it's not tonight. You're. It's the business that you're putting over. It's what everybody loves. It's the respect. Not just for who... It, you, might, you don't have to like who you're working with, but... You better love what the hell you're doing, and that's for damn sure. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, your ass don't belong in there, and you your number one shits. That's what, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So, Nikita, you've done uh, – <clears throat> I in your time in the biz, let me ask you this. Who would you say let's, – let's take a shoot for a minute. You got your six-shooter on you? You ready? You cocked and loaded? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you this. Who was the one person in your encounter in the business that you just could not fucking stand? Nobody. I swear to you, everybody. Now, see, like me coming in and out of the cold, yeah, Nikolai trained me, Nikolai breaks me in, but I still had a lot to learn in there, okay? And working with, because Nikolai was main event status, mm. working main events with people. You know, they could have stepped on me. They could have just said, hey, the hell with you, asshole. You have to just learn on your own. Everybody was just wonderful. I never had an ass, a piece of shit, nothing of that. Everybody was wonderful and took good care of me. And they looked for in each other. So I honestly say to you, there's nobody that I could speak forward and say, oh, this guy's an asshole. He was a piece of shit. Nobody, man. They were all cool. Without a doubt. And, you know, the young ones, too. Sometimes you get young asses that want to come in there and show the ass. Mm-hmm. But, no, they were always cool. And I was like, okay, you know, we're going to do this tonight. We're going to do uh, One thing I did learn from this guy, though, when somebody would, uh, you know, sit down and figure out what you're going to do before the match, 
if you talk more than five minutes, that's too much. Yeah. And, and Nikolai would say, this son of a bitch don't know what he's doing because he talks with them. <laughs> and it's like, you get the finish, you will do this, a little of that. What are we going to do before? Okay. And that's the end of it. Rest, you just listen to the people. And yeah. they're going to tell you what they want to see. And they're going to tell you what's working and what's not. Yeah. For sure, call it in the ring, man. That's a, that's a good ring general right there. And you listen to the people, and you you just feed off of that, and you call it in the ring. It's it. It's like being married. Just listen. To, if she's bitching, you know you're doing good. Because if she wasn't bitching, then she's not paying attention. Yeah, then she's fucking someone else. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're not bitching, then you got to worry about what's going on. Then you got to follow and say, uh oh. Oh man, maybe she's dilly dally though. You gotta watch that shit. Yeah. But uh, if she's bitching at you, she loves you. <laughs> she loves you a long time. I just I just listened to an interview with uh Stone Cold, which is, you know, twenty years, twenty five years after the, the, the events of the book he wrote. Um but he talked about exactly what you talked about in and as far as like not you plan out a little bit, but then you know, you go based on you know what the crowd the is crowd. doing and how they're reacting and building with the crowd because if you watch some of these old matches or you watch some of the greatest matches it's it's not like the crowd is is following it's almost like a dance between between the between the yeah. crowd and the wrestlers where you where it gets to a crescendo where it gets to like a highlight area and then everybody just pops like yeah. the last one i watched was yeah. hogan and the rock Yep, and yep. and uh, and I don't the crowd remember. dictated that match. They turned Hogan yeah. face that night. Yeah, and then it just like when there was that explosion, there was that like it, it was like the building was going to come down. Yeah, and it wasn't because mm-hmm. it, they said, "Oh, it's twenty minutes in, or it's forty-seven minutes in. It's time to do this, this, and this in order to to see if the crowd is going to pop." Yeah, they knew exactly when the crowd was going to go ape shit, and they did their thing, and the crowd went crazy, and that's what like. When you watch like the the old wrestling highlights from the eighties, Hogan was a master at that. A lot of these old timers, like before Hogan, they mm. really were masters at it. You know, they they oh, were yeah. so good at reading the crowd and it's like, you know, it's something that stand up comics talk about, but it's something that like theater actors talk about. It's something that that musicians talk about where crowd you can actually control, like man. yeah, crowd work. Yeah. There's very few people and who timing. Timing. Yes. Timing, yes. yes, timing, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very few people are and I'll tell you, working with somebody like a Bruno. Okay, now we were in a stadium in New Jersey, and uh, Nikolai was against Dominic Danucci, another all time Mm -hmm. great who doesn't really get all to do except for they they say he trained Mick Foley and Shane Douglas, and it's like that's great. But Dominic Danucci was a hell of a wrestler, he did a lot of great things over the years. So Nikolai's working him, and I'm on the outside managing, and I'm you know getting my shit in with Bruno. And then, uh, you know, Bruno's going to call it when we're all going to go home. So I get up on the apron and, you know, do a little bit. And Bruno's like, no, no, not yet, not yet. Go back. And so, okay, boom. Then uh, get up there. Then for the finish, Bruno's like, okay, boom. And now we're going to take it home. And that was it. And it was like, just listen. And that's sometimes what people have a hard time with. Shut the hell up and open both your ears and listen. And let somebody that has done it show you and you will learn from that you can't be you can't go out and spend money for experience you just have to earn it and that's it and you know what you're going to screw up 
And it's expected at times. I screwed up a t- couple of times out there. It's like, don't worry about it. Let's do this and we'll do that. Just don't come apart. Don't be like a little girl that somebody took the candy away. You want to go home crying. Just relax. Be a man. Be a woman. And you'll get through it. And you'll be better for it. No big deal. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Damn. All this wisdom, man. I love it. That's it, wisdom. I'm old bastard. I can admit it. <laughs> do you, uh, not do you... too old. I'm old enough to know better, but You're young not enough not to too. give it I know that. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I do have a question as far as like, uh, you know, you, you have the wrestling knowledge, all, all this knowledge. You wrote the book. It's, it's, uh, it's got a lot of good history, a lot of, like, it's, it's, it's thick with knowledge and storytelling. So my question is, it's 2019 now. Uh, wrestling is kind of going through some sort of, like some people are calling it a renaissance. Like there's different terms that, th- that people are using. What, how involved are you? How interested are you? How, um, like, is you know, or you haven't really like. We'll get a chance to watch AEW in a few months on television. Um, NWA is going to be on TV in some form. Yeah, they're back again. Um, WWE has got like Monday, and it looks like they're going to do something on Wednesdays too. Uh, where, like, what's your what's your uh, opinion now of wrestling now of, in 2019 in in in, in regards to big promotions and indie uh, promotions? What's old is new again. It never changes. Remember that. Mm-hmm. And that's why my book, it's, it's a couple of people have said this should be used as a guide how men and women made it without the internet back then. The only story that you could tell, we only had like one hour of television, but by the time you cut out the commercials, it was probably watered down to 48 minutes. And then they appeared every month. And that was it. Yeah. They told the story by being the character to love or to hate, and that's what you have to keep carrying and remembering with you even now. you got to touch people some way, somehow, get into their head, get into their ass, make them want to come and see you, and it's not just the tits and ass kind of thing. Yeah, that's nice to look at, but you know what? That ain't going to do it. Right. you got to touch somebody's soul, man. you got to make them understand and... It's not, for me, I never, like some people use it, okay, we mentioned catharsis, but for me it was just all characters. Mm. I watched it for who they were. I didn't imagine it was my father. Some people say, well, you know, it's like a boss getting the shit beat out of him. No, you've got to be a character that people care about one way or the other. You know, same thing with Hollywood, uh, the things that carry on through the years, like an Adam Lester, Batman, people like that. Leonard Nimoy or Spock, you know, it's like that catches people. It's not just something you watch and then change the channel. You imitate them. You, you, you buy not just the merchandise of it because it's in the fiber of your soul. Yeah. And that's why I think today, yeah, when you get people, and I think Vince McMahon, uh, I, I read stories, and nobody knows more about it than him, but he's got to want to do and he's going to do what he wants to do. But with the competition that's out there, it's great for everybody because I think it's going to make all of the products nothing but better. Yeah, agreed. Totally agree with that. And can we get back to the old ways? Hell yeah. And I think it's it's happening, actually. I, oh, I yeah. think you're going to see that happen. 
Yeah, yeah, I think, like I said, with AEW, they're bringing a lot of the old guard back. And uh, I just found out today that they signed Tony Schiavone to an exclusive contract. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, yeah. he's still going to be yeah, doing Jim stuff. Jim Ross was with him. He's very happy. Yeah, yeah. that's so fucking cool. I mean, that's how I love, you know, like, that's Cody Rhodes, man. And them boys, like, it feels like it's like WC. This is the revenge to me of WCW coming back from the grave. You know, like, hey, you know, WWE is not the only ship in the port. You know, like, we can do this and we can right. do it well, if not better. And it's it's going to force their hand, like you say, to make them, to make them WWE perform better and we'll see what happens, but it's just, it's so easy to invest in as a fan because, you know, I've been a fan of the business since I was five years old. I'm 36, you know, I got 30 years invested into this shit. Um, so I know what I'm talking about, uh, to watch what they're doing is just, it's amazing. It's, it's like you said, it's, it's the old stuff coming back. What's old is new again. And, and there's a lot of people like myself that are getting on board, whether how limited their knowledge is or isn't, I don't know, but it's something they're familiar with. And whether or even if it's new to them, it's it's just catching on and it's great. And it's got this wrestling has this vibe again that I haven't felt in a long, long time, you know? And it it's so good. good. It's it's good for everybody. It's good for the indies. The indies are so super strong. I, I I would dare to say the indies are what's keeping wrestling alive at this point, which is why there's an AEW because the talent pool in the indies nowadays is ridiculous. Like as far as just guy, guys that are all around workers or storytellers or you know whether they're spot monkeys, whatever you want to call them, whatever type of wrestler you want is out there nowadays. You know, like that's the generation we live in, and it's just it, it's crazy to watch it all unfold. As long as the fans are being entertained and they love it, and it's, you, you got a young audience out there, always, there are the kids mm-hmm. coming in, it's always something that's going to draw the young mind because right. it's like live action superheroes. Exactly. So you've got their attention. Now, they want to be entertained, do it, bring it home, entertain them, and, you know, it's a kind of a shame you don't have as much blood as you once did. And, you know, for the various medical reasons and things of that nature. Yeah. Because that, to me, like I say, maybe we sound perverted, nuts, crazy, whatever, but we loved it. But it had to be done right at the right, right. time. And, you know, if you did it at a friendly match, you'd, you'd probably be fired for it. But <laughs> yeah. if you were the main event, like Spiros Arion, when he turned on Bruno and the Chief, mm-hmm. okay, not the first night, then bring it in and then... When it finally happens, it's like, oh, man. Well, for me, I would have to say, even though my book has got nothing to do with this, and it's nothing to do with the 70s, but Bruno's feud with Larry Zabisco, I think, was the most ingenious and the greatest of all time. Because we never believed that it would happen, Mm -hmm. that he would turn on Bruno. And when it did, it was like, wow, this is unbelievable. But see, Larry was great because... There's no way in hell he was going to out-muscle San Martino or out-wrestle him. So right. he played cat and mouse. And he was and his protege, too, right? the nuts To get the advantage and then keep running away. And then it was perfect. You had to play somewhat of a puss and just keep being on the move and run from the man because you know he's going to murder you. And then finally, <laughs> it, it would bring us back and bring us back. And then when Bruno murdered him, we were happy. And it was great. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's where he got that moniker, the living legend. Oh, that was perfect. I mean, when he came out, of, when he did it on television, mm. and, you know, we were already pissed off on Mouse. And then when he said, Gerard Drew McHugh, who was one of the nicest guys as a ring announcer for Hamburg, and he said, I've just been whispered in my ear, he insists on being called the new living legend. That was <laughs> it, man. I'm surprised they didn't torch the belt. Yeah. And how he got out alive was just incredible. Yeah. Well, he showed, he sold out uh, Shea Stadium with Bruno in there. Well, they drew 40,000, which was a great crowd. Mm. Yeah. And, I mean, that was wonderful. I mean, it was just uh, it's something that we would never forget. Yeah. There were a lot of times with Bruno, there were things that you would never forget. Hey, look, there ain't many people come back from a broken neck. And you right. got to give the man all the credit in the world. I think he regretted it over the years, but they needed him, especially right there. When you go back to 76, when they did the Ali battle with Inoki, and it was like, who the hell is Inoki? We read about him in magazines, but, you know, New York may have had cable, but Inoki, you weren't getting cable from Japan, so it's like, who gives a shit? Inoki (laughs) against Ali. Yeah, Ali's greatest of all time, I'll say it, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't going to draw, so they were like, Bruno, you got to come back and wrestle Hanson. And it's like, I'm in a cast. Oh, I don't know yeah. if I can walk again. It's like, well, there won't be no business to come back to unless we do this. And it was like, he did it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people can tell you, oh, yeah, well, you know, Ali against Sanofi. No, they came to see Bruno against Hanson. And that right. was closed circuit at that time. It wasn't cable. So it was like, that was it. Yeah. And then from there, it took off again, you know, and, that's why Bruno's beloved. You know, yeah, it wasn't just Italians. Everybody was Italian when oh, yeah. Bruno was in the building. Exactly. Like Bobo Brazil. You know, I think one of the greatest things with Bobo, he in Baltimore wrestled uh, Superstar Grand. Yeah. My favorite year was 1977 when Billy Graham was champion. I love Superstar he, Billy Graham, man. He was it because we got to see all the faces get title matches that they would never get. Mm-hmm. And and he could do it. He could carry it. But Baltimore was the only city that had Bobo challenge superstar, and that was a genius, man. Yeah. That was great because it, it sold out the building. We we thought oh, Bobo's going to get him. He's going to take the belt from the bastard tonight because you know we hated it that he beat Bruno in Baltimore. Right. So it was like shit. Bruno didn't get the belt back, but Bobo will do it, and he pulled one off. It was actually it was a double pin kind of deal, kicking off the corner, you know. And it's like, ah, yeah. you know, can't believe it. So then Chief got a crack at him, and it's like, oh, Chief's definitely going to do it. And Chief didn't do it. Then it was Putski, and it was like, oh man. And then Backlund, you know, look, Bob Backlund, say what you want. I read a lot of things. They say, oh, Backlund wasn't over. They had to pad the car. They had to do it. It's like bullshit. Bob Backlund, mm. I bought the tickets, chump. Yeah. He was over. We were there to see yeah. Bob Backlund wrestle whoever. Yeah. And he was inspirational because of his ethic of working out. The guy, 70 years old. He just turned 70 yeah. on the 16th of this month. And uh, there he is, on the 14th. And there he is. You know, he's out there doing push-ups, doing this, doing that, headstands. Yeah. That guy is just, he's an athlete. Yeah, he's nuts. Uh, yeah, he was the one that uh, he took it from Bruno, and uh, he held the title for a while, too, a number of years, right? Before uh, who, Iron yeah, Sheik took it six, from him. 
Yes, it was almost six years when uh, Bob Backlund dropped it. And people say that he didn't draw, but I'll tell you what, go back and look at the matches. from mm. Now, like, when he wrestled Greg Valentine, yeah. okay, and the cover of my book is him against Valentine and the one-hour draw on February 19th of 79. That was the President's Day snowstorm. They won an hour. The rematch on March 26th, Backlund reverses the figure four. The roof comes off Madison Square Garden. That's got <laughs> nothing to do with anybody but Bob Backlund and Greg Valentine. That's it. Yeah. Boom. The guy's in the ring right then and there. And nothing to do with the rest of the card. People were into it. And when he reversed that on Valentine, it was just unbelievable. Like pandemonium. Like Gorilla Monsoon used to say. Yeah. Pandemonium is broken. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. Gorilla on color commentary, just commentary, we'll call it. Uh, man, him, Bobby, uh, him and Mean Gene, any anybody like mm. with Gorilla. Gorilla was, ah, God damn, he, he sort of missed. One. He was the business, you know? He, you wake him out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning, he could tell you a sentence, boom, do this. That ain't going to work, do, do this and yeah. He just, he had it. He Didn't he press to, slam Ali, too? He had a bout with Ali, right? Who's that? Is Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, I know. I, I I remember this picture. Oh, that was on television. Getting yeah. ready to set everything up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ollie jumped in the ring after Monsoon had beat Baron Sakuna. Yeah, and yeah, he challenged him and he put him in the airplane spin. And that's where here's a new wrist block from a wristwatch came from. You know, and that was it. It caught on. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, oh yeah, that was great. You know, you had to love it. Yeah. But. Gorilla Monsoon, he wrestled so many people over the mm -hmm. years. I mean, uh, he wrestled back on, believe it or not. Yeah, and, and Gorilla was a tough son yeah. of a bitch. Everything I've read and heard. Well, look, I'll tell you what. Another name like Haystack Scalhoun, yep. he was 600 pounds, Monsoon 400. Mm -hmm. Guys, it's not easy carrying that kind of weight. No. And get walk to the ring under your own power, get in there, do what you're doing. Get the finish and walk off under your own power. It's tough, yeah. and that's a lot of weight to carry. But then there you go, diabetes sets in over the years. It's just too much for your body. That's they were sacrificing themselves mm -hmm. to entertain us, and that's why we have to embrace it. We have to respect it, and when anybody is in there today, they call it crazy bumps. Don't knock them for it. Try to talk to them about it because they're doing it to entertain the people. That's why we get in there to do everything that we do is to entertain. You can't do it if you don't love it. You have to just love it, and that's yeah. it. <laughs> that's the common denominator everybody has in common is love of the business. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, Nikita, real quick before we wrap up here. I uh... Yes, sir. You also done some film work. Oh, hell yeah. I'm an actor all the way. I'm a big ham. I'm a Leo. Uh, the most famous, I was involved with The Wrestler. I yeah. was not in it, but we we worked with Darren Aronofsky because he had no idea what this wrestling was. So Evan Ginsberg, the associate producer, another big wrestling name. Evan's always got something to do with wrestling. He's He carries the banner well. So Evan invited Nikolai and I and Johnny to meet with Aronofsky. So it's like, okay, let's sit down and give this guy the what for, you know. Here's what's going on. And uh, that kind of got the acting bug going for me. And I've done a lot of acting work. The most 
famous for me was a thing called Brush with Danger because I had one of the lead roles and we were on a pretty good role. I'm, I'm looking at the list for that year. Is there I am? I'm up for an Oscar that year, not one of the top five nominees, but the, when the list came out of who's eligible, there I am with Brad Pitt and all these other guys, Nicholas <laughs> Kimball, like, oh, good. I can't believe this. Or, you know, they ain't going to pay the bills with it, but it sure looks good. When yeah. you sit down, it's like, hey, you know what? This is pretty damn neat. Uh, it's cool. Olivia Chung, even though it's spelled V-H-E-N-G, that's how she pronounces it. She's a genius. She's in Indonesia right now. She loves her country. She's doing documentaries. So she'll be back. We got other things in the works, and it's like, yeah. I love it because, look, the greatest actors are children. When they pretend that they're firemen, policemen, whatever, you can't stop them. You can't convince them otherwise until they're done entertaining you. They're the character, and that's a lesson for all to learn. Be the character, man. That's it. Don't worry about anything else. You'd be surprised how many people I've seen over the years that get embarrassed in front of just the film crew. Mm. And it's like, what the hell? They don't care. They just want you to get your shit done so we can go home. (laughs) Stop being nervous and put your damn lines out there, idiot, so we can be done with this scene and move on. But they're not embarrassed. They're watching me. It's like, (laughs) you sure ain't going to be in porn, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe some snuff film or such. <laughs> mm, that uh, would have to be a snuff film because uh, some of these nuts, it's just like, come on. They gotta, you got to do it and be done with it. Let's do it. Move it. Don't <laughs> <laughs> mess the line. Move on. Oh, man. So, Nikita, uh, real quick before we end uh, and let people know where they can find you at, I'd like to know. I got two questions for you. Favorite heel, okay. favorite face of all time. Favorite face of all time is Chief J. Strongbow. And favorite heel would be Nikolai Volkov, or he'd come back to haunt me. <laughs> My brother, I love the man. I owe everything to him. Because nice. without him, you wouldn't even know who the hell I was, guys. It would have never happened. None of it. Right. And that's the first thing in my book, in the acknowledgments, this book never would have been written had it not been for Nikolai Volkov, without a doubt. He'd never forget. Fuck no. I love Nikolai, man. We do. We did an episode on him uh, when he passed last year. It was, uh, mm. you know, very tough. He, he's one of those guys, man. Like I said, he's just one of those characters that he was so good at what he did, he sticks out. And when guys like that go. He married or... my son. He became a minister. And to my knowledge, it's the only ceremony he performed. So we had spent a good week together not long before that. And it was like he's himself, he's happy. And then. You know, next thing I know, he's having some trouble because we talk almost daily. Mm. And it was like, what the hell? I can't believe it. It's just like you hear it. You don't believe that it's real. Yeah. And I was like, no way. No, I I won't accept it. You know, and it's like, yeah. But you know what? That spirit lives on. When I was at Cauliflower Alley, a lot of people wanted to talk about it. I said, he's here. His spirit is with us. Believe it. Because he wouldn't want you being sad or crying. Don't do a second of that. Because that could be the first guy to slap you and say, uh uh-uh, don't be sad because of me, son of a bitch. You go <laughs> tell a joke about farting or something. I mean, a, a farting joke was that. that my God, like kids. Yeah. We bust out laughing. I'll tell you real quick, we, one time, we were always doing goofy shit. So we're at the thing with these monks. All right, Nikolai wants to get into this stuff. So we're sitting, 
And he, he wasn't good with reading the language. So we're going around, everybody reads a little part out of it. It's a goofy monk book. So, uh, you know, he gives me the shoulder. Okay, I read for him. So I look over and he's like turning blue. He's like trying not to laugh. I'm like, what the hell? I was like, oh, shit. I know what's coming. We're sitting on these wooden chairs, right? And it's like, there it goes. These monks, they had to be real monks, but they didn't miss a beat. They just kept doing the da 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 Look how I stood in that shit in his hand. There was another one. And we're laughing our asses. I'm like, shit, you know, because it's a wooden chair that sounds like it's going to crack. And it's like, man, that's just, that's like He rolls up to his farts. The farts is. He had to sing by Lord James Blair's it was farting competition. It's flatulating. He wanted to do a movie on it, which we never were able to, oh, to pull it off. That's nice. But uh, the loser gets disqualified because uh, he lets a turd out, so then the guy's disqualified. So, so my God. <laughs> and if you think that's disgusting and the hell with you, you can't laugh, then don't get out of bed in the morning. Because that's what life is all about. Laugh your way through. <laughs> that's right. I unleashed on my girlfriend the other night, I guess. She told me, I think it was this morning, she's like, you were just farting all damn night. And I'm like, uh, I was like, really? Was it funny? She's like, yeah, one of them was really long and funny, but then it just got repulsive after that. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. women act like they don't. It's like, you fart too. Just stop. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, they don't, at least when they're around me. And if they do, then it's like, mm. uh, you know, I, I'm cool with guy farts, but chicks, it's like, you know, not so much, at least Crazy. with the chick that I'm with. <laughs> but yeah uh, I, lo- I love a good fart a- joke it reminds me of uh that andre documentary i watched where <laughs> me and gene and all them guys were talking about how he loved to do the fart thing and he just rip giant size farts and me and gene's oh, yeah, like yeah. andre loved to have himself a fart <laughs> <laughs> yes that's it yeah i mean it's just natural why not yeah. but it does, it'll always bring the house down a good part never fails to bring down the house but it's just funny that's right that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> no nikolai was a good guy uh w- so he was uh was he a big river then oh yeah yeah nikolai he definitely was he could uh rib with the best of them and he wouldn't do anything that would cost you money or anything that would cost you pain but yeah you know always be goofy just like the three students i mean we would drive the toll people crazy because what the hell else you going to drive them in four or five hours ask them say i hear this job takes a toll on you or we would give the three students are you married or happy you know and mm-hmm. the woman they would sometimes they roll the eyes or they look at you the men would laugh their ass off in the toll collectors and you know, sometimes you get I'm both, and it's like, no, nah, you can't be both. It's impossible. It's just, it's not, you know, it's just goofy shit like that to keep things loose. I mean, look, I'll tell you this. We spent so much time together catching planes, driving all hours. We never had a crossword between us, man. Uh, it was just always fun. We were like two kids loose from the parents. We just enjoyed what we were doing. That's what it's all about, man. It's, they don't pay you enough, believe me. And mm-hmm. then they have to go out there and take that kind of abuse. So it's like, you better enjoy it. And, and like in his case, it's over before you know it. And yeah. it's like, damn, why the hell did 27 years ago? I, I don't believe it sometimes. Crazy. Yeah. Well, time flies, you know. Yes. It's but legends never And we die. march on with good memories of those that we love 
and laugh with. So always keep that. Keep positive, guys. Always. That's right. And remember this: as I write at, at the end, of, in the back of the book, it says, "Good is the enemy of great." What that means is, means don't settle for good enough. Be great. You can always do more and do better. Keep pushing. Keep trying. Fuck yeah, I totally agree wholeheartedly with that statement. You better. Yeah. Or else I come find you and I give you what the Russians like to do. Uh, you know, you look at this politics and all the fighting and all the bullshit. You know what? That, that bunch of biggest bunch of bullshitters on the face of the earth. They're <laughs> like wrestling. They work. Yeah. And I know from working local government. <laughs> Behind the curtain, all friends, all those bastards are rich and we're not. Yep. Instead of us, them working for us, we work for them. They're yep. the best workers I've ever been. <laughs> it's like, why are we covering the bullshit? Right? <laughs> Nikita, where, where can people find you online and find your book? Well, the book is at crowbarpress.com, C-R-O-W-B-A-R, one word, crowbarpress.com, under Scott Teal. He, he he sells it. I don't. I don't want to get involved with the IRS bastards or anything like that. He does all the selling. And I'm on Facebook. Send me Facebook friend requests as long as I know you're not some kind of serve a bitch or crumb. I'll accept you. I'm not bigger than any. I'm not better than anybody else. We're all brothers. We all on the same planet. I'm on the Twitter, but not that much. But find me on Facebook. That's the easiest. Sweet. Awesome. And always stay with Juice Pro Wrestling. That's what the fest is. Good juice. Yeah, you know, Nikita knows what's up. That's why he's the man. That's it. That's it, man. And Nick Ryder's a big juicer, so you guys are number one. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's what I like to hear, brother. Nikita, I, I love you, man. I, I really cherish the relationship that... uh we've started to have here and i'm yes, we're gonna have you back you on again too. thank man. you yeah yeah man thank you i'll be my pleasure i love it i love to talk i'm good bullshitter so you give me a topic i can run with it no problem oh yeah for sure yeah we definitely got plans for you for the future so you know just keep that phone next to you like you are uh adam west and it's the fucking juice phone you know instead of the bat phone so when i come calling you got it man yeah as long as you don't tell me dave's not here <laughs> Dial nine one one. Make a cop come. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> right on, brother. Well, Nikita, I'd like to thank you for coming on, and for everybody listening, uh, you can find us weekly on any podcast platforms such as Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Spotify. We're also at jpdub.com. You can find us online, social media, on Facebook at Juice Pro Wrestling, on Instagram and Facebook. We have a group, the Juice Pro Wrestling Universe. Join it. Uh, if you guys got any comments, uh, leave us a voicemail at one eight seven two two six seven forty one ninety nine. And until then, you gotta wet them up, wet them up, wet them up. Yeah, what's the wet? You gonna do sex to me? <laughs> you know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So, stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery.
Lottery! Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. 